Can everyone hear me? Okay, so thank you. So we'll sing Jara the Madhava, and then we're going to speak a little bit about. <laughs> we'll speak a little bit about culture. We'll also a connection between culture and the modes of material nature, and how the whole thing interplays as well. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, we'll sing Jara the Madhava first, so we can tune into Krishna's will and to go from there. Jayananda Madhava Tunjapi Oh uh-huh. 
especially by pronouns that were arrived to charge her. As doctor of the Shushima and Sivan Grishila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur from Padmaharaj Kija, Anantikoti Vaishnava Bindi Kija, Namacharitya Shuharadas Thakur Kija, Premsiko Shukushi Chaitanya Padmantyananda Shri Advaita Gadadara Shri Vasif Gaur Bhakti Bindi Kija, Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopi Gopinath Shamakan Radha Kamukiri Gopadana Kija, Shri Vindavindana Kija, Turadana Kija, Nantukadana Kija, Yamuna Devi Ganga Devi Tosa Devi Bhakti Devi Kija, Brihadmadanga Kija, Arinam Sankirtan Yaga Kija, Samaveta Bhakti Vrinda Kija, Janitai Gora Brahmanandiga. O glorious Yasam devotees, Hare Krishna, O glorious Yasam devotees, Hare Krishna, O glorious Yasam devotees, Hare Krishna, O glorious, O glorious, with Sri Guru and Sri Guru, the voice of Sri How's everyone doing? Haribo! 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 the after lunch crash. <laughs> okay, so with your permission, I wanted to share a few things. Um, disclaimer. So originally, I was actually due to be in India. So a friend of mine is getting married today, actually, in the Govardhani village. And then there was also something that happened um, family-wise, but um, some changes happened so we were able to be here. So in terms of the actual discussion and the topic as well, we've made a few shifts. Um, what we're going to present today, um, and taking the lead from Krishna Kirtan, um, is something that relates to some of the other talks that you've done. So I know that Chishati had great reviews about the presentation that she did yesterday, which is around social media and its ability to distract us from our sudden. And I know that Sachinanda Maharaj is speaking about the magic of sadhana. What I thought we could discuss today is also something around culture and how culture can help us to focus in on the goal of our Krishna consciousness and how culture can also, if it's not the correct culture, can also be a distraction from the goal as well. Okay, so we're going to share some ideas and we'll try to make this interactive. We'll see how we do for, um, for time and then we'll um, maybe open up to some questions. Is that okay with everyone? Okay, fantastic. Okay, so um, I'll just say Mangalachari and then we'll, we'll just dig into the topic and see where we go from there. Okay, feel free to join me. Omagyanat Marandasya, Gyananjana Shalakaya, Chakshun Militam Yena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. Shri Chaitanya Madhobishtam Sabitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Gadalmayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yuta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sadrajatam Sagana Raghunatam Vitam Tamsajivam Sarvetam Sabadutam Arjuna Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sagana Lalita Sri Vishakam Vitamscha E Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate 
सत्कंचन गौरंगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी ऋषभानु सुतेदी प्रणमामी हरिप्रिय So in this particular verse of the Bhagavatam, it talks about the topics of the Bhagavatam. Right? Saga, Visaga, primary creation, secondary creation, etc., etc. And the fifth topic is Stanam. Stanam has different meanings. One of the meanings is the structure of the universe. Right? So within the Vedic literatures, you come across many of these frameworks which explain how the reality works. Okay? How things actually function. And as we start to see these frameworks in our day-to-day -day life, it gives a certain darshan, a certain way of looking at the world by which you can have a better understanding of the reality. So if I know where I am, if I know the situation that I'm actually living in, it becomes far easier to reach my objective. In fact, and this is, this is a mistake I definitely made for many years, the first success as in a devotee's life is this understanding of reality. Right? So one of these models, and you know this familiar model from Chaitanya Charitamrita, where Lord Chaitanya says that everything could be understood in this way, is Sambandha Abhideya Prayojana. Right? So this Sambandha Gyan, Right. So sometimes it's explained knowledge of relationship. You can also consider it gives you a clear understanding of the reality that we're in. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely essential. The reason why, and it's, this is in the material world, in our devoted communities, the first mistake that we all make is we don't understand the reality that we're in properly. And if we don't get that correct, Everything that we try to do beyond that becomes problematic. Right? So it's just like this. You want to get to a particular destination, but you don't actually understand your present coordinates, and you don't understand the situation around you. It's very nice that you have a destination in mind, but it's highly unlikely that we're going to get there. Okay? 
So the first success in the life of a devotee is to really come to terms with where am I? What is the situation that we're in? Right? So who am I? What is life? What is the material energy? All of these things which make up the five themes of the Bhagavad Gita. So, what are those five themes? You have color, so time. Right? You have jiva, the living entity. You have prakriti, so this material nature, how it functions, how it works. So, color, jiva, prakriti, ishvara. So, who is the supreme personality of Godhead? And then you also have karma. Karma relates to activity, so what are we, what are we meant to be doing? So, when we were giving this presentation, to this business community, we were explaining how these three points can be understood in many different ways. One of the things we mentioned was um, the formula given by Yudhisthira Maharaj in the Mahabharata. He says, for success, one has to have, uh, let's see, focus, endeavor, and Krishna's grace. Focus relates actually to Sambandha. When we study Prabhupada's books, when we understand, see what, what Prabhupada's books do, there's many different ways of explaining it. They, they help us to see the world for what it is. And when you see something for what it is, the most important thing to see is, does this thing have the ability to make me happy? To the extent that we think it can make us happy, we, we remain attached. If we get the point, okay, no amount of material facility is going to give me lasting happiness, then you become more indifferent. You don't become averse. You don't become averse, by the way, because aversion and attachment are two sides of the same coin. The sign of detachment is that the person is indifferent. They can use it, they cannot use it, doesn't matter. Prabhupada explains this in the 14th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, text number 27. He's elaborating on this point that the, the transcendentalist they do not long for something when it's present, nor do they hate it when, um, not, they do not hate something when it's present, nor do they long for it when it's um, absent. So the idea is that you have this equipoise. Right? So this sambandha is the first point, this understanding of the reality that we're in. And then you have avidaya. If I understand what I'm dealing with, then I can figure out what should I actually be doing. So avidaya is the activity, the, um, the, uh, yes, say the, Behavior, the drive, the experiment. So it's the application. It's where I execute. And what are we executing for? We're executing for a particular outcome. We're trying to reach a particular goal. By the way, everyone has the same goal in life. It doesn't matter whether they're religious, devotees, other communities, materialists, atheists, everyone's looking to be happy. What differentiates the Vaishnavas from everyone else is that we have an actual understanding. We have a proper understanding of what will truly lead to happiness. Now, this is where it gets tricky. Because we've read something, or we've read so many things, we've heard so many things, but there's a gap between reading and realization. Okay? And this is where generally all the issues come up in our communities. It's not the knowledge, you can read the books anyway. You can read them online, you can have them in your you know, bag, whatever it is. The issue is in understanding it properly so I can apply it properly. Okay. So what we want to do is go through this um, understanding of these models. 
specifically we're going to tune into the modes. Then we're going to look into the modes in, as it relates to culture, to environment. And then if we have some time, hopefully we'll have some time, we're going to have some discussion around what makes the culture favorable for the goal. Okay, I repeat that. This is the essence of what we're going to be looking at. What makes the culture, the association, favorable for the goal? And it was interesting, the earlier conversation, because I really appreciate that one of the points that was made is that people should live according to their means. So now the question is, why don't we? Okay. One of the reasons is that we may feel, you know what, actually, I need to live a certain way to fit into a certain paradigm, right? Peer pressure, everyone else is doing it like this, how can I do it differently? I want to fit in, which is also a natural human need, okay? So it's about making sure that we more and more create the culture where it's okay to have this unity with diversity. It's okay to have people live according to their means, and those means will be different. Because we're different, we're individuals, we're not impersonalists. It's not that what I do, everyone else has to do, that's childish. But actually, I'm meant to be doing what I can to spread Prabhupada's mission and to become Krishna conscious myself, which is completely interconnected. And I'm meant to do it in such a way that it also inspires everyone else to do what they're meant to be doing as well. Does that make some sense? So this is the direction we're going to take it in. So, these three this in terms of this model, Sambanda, Abhideya, Prayojana, when I was talking to these business people, we translated it like this. Right? So, this idea of Sambanda is meant to give direction. You understand who you are, you understand the material energy, you understand what's going to really make you happy, so it gives you direction. Right? Sometimes this is understood as strategy. So, Sambanda, it gives you literally a life strategy. Okay, what, if I'm in this material world, and I'm constituted like this, what exactly should I be doing? As was said earlier, even the Varnashram system is part of life strategy. Okay, so when you're this age, you should be inspiring in this direction. When you're this age, you should be moving like this, etc., etc. So, we will talk, tell the business leader, the first part is direction, strategy. Second, the Abhideya is the drive, right? So, the execution, you actually do something. In our, in our tradition, the emphasis is on service. So you do some actual service, and how do we know that the service is in the right way? You see it in relation to the goal. I think San, um, Naveen was doing some seminar recently on um, Sankalpa Komodi, right? And I know that Shiva really talks about that, and many of the Acharyas talk about the importance of even doing the sadhana, but with the satya in mind, right? So you do the sadhana, but you have a sense of what you're trying to achieve in that particular process. Otherwise, what happens? Otherwise, we can be here for a very long time, seemingly doing the sadhana, and we don't even know that we're, we're not going anywhere. Okay? One of the purposes of having a clear sense of the destination is that you can understand, am I on track? I've been, I've been reading, chanting, associating, am I on track? Am I seeing that I'm actually developing some of the qualities that the scripture says I should be developing if I'm actually doing it properly? Or do I see that this, these things aren't developing, which is, which is a sign, okay, there's something that's not quite right here. Right? So what do I need to look at in terms of how I'm constituting my spiritual life in order to make sure that I am moving forward in the proper way? So Sambandha Abhideya Project is just one of many different models in the scriptures. There are so many. 
but it's, it's so powerful. And this is just one of the gifts that, that we've been given by Prabhupada. So for a living, I, I teach leadership development. And, and part of it is I always do some team building activity. And we'll give the leaders some activity to do, then we'll debrief them after the activity to say, okay, what did you notice? What was done well? What could you have done differently? Number one mistake that they will, the leaders will make, or that a group will make, when they're doing any execution, is they never take the time to stop and think. They usually skip Sambanda and they go straight into activity, right? And what you find, especially when there's a limited time, and you can see they've not done any thinking, they've just jumped straight into the activity, you find that they make all kinds of costly mistakes, which means that they don't achieve the destination. And so I'm watching them thinking, yeah, it's exactly what the scripture says. Sambanda, Right? Do they actually know what they're doing? Do they discuss it? This is a situation we're in. What should we be doing? Let's create some kind of plan before they go into the Abhidaya, which is the execution. And are they checking how close are we getting to the goal? Just one example of many, many models. So this really constitutes what we call complete paradigms. <laughs> There's even some research, and they found the four bonds. They've done research using big data, and by using big data in, in artificial intelligence, they've actually come to an understanding that there are four basic personality types. It was done by one university. So what you'll find is, whenever people use a proper sample, and if they do it impartially, they always come to the same conclusions as are given in our scriptures. Every single time without fail. Right? And it's very, very interesting. The same thing that they come to the conclusion of after spending literally millions of pounds or dollars, we're given this on day one. We're given this on day one. Anyway, that's an aside. So in terms of these three areas, if we talk about this idea of um, Zambanda, in, in the pursuit of our sadhana, part of the key thing is actually to be well situated within ourselves, right? When I, when I think about what we discussed, or what was discussed earlier, I, I was thinking a lot about self-acceptance. Sometimes we are, we have a certain tendency, but we don't want to accept it, right? Because we think it will be more prestigious, or more, um, let's say, more recognized if I'm something else. That's why I was really appreciative of the point about entrepreneurs. But someone who's an entrepreneur, they, someone who's like that, they're born that way. They're just going around doing it, right? It's not like, I can't remember who's, who made the comment, but they didn't go, I think it was Yashoda Sutta, they didn't go on a course. You don't, the course doesn't make you an entrepreneur. Right? You're an entrepreneur or you're not. I was, um, I was in contact with Kripa Moya. He had done a, a Lakshmi puja, right, for some very wealthy businessman. And he gave me the contact. And to this person, they, he has a, a firm in central London, just near Oxford Circus Station, the Oxford Circus Station. So I spent a week with him. This is many years ago. And so it's a headhunter firm, and uh, it was very, very interesting. He, at the end of the week, you could just see how natural his, his way of thinking was. He said to me, he said, um, yes, I, I see that you're a, you're a nice guy, you've got a good character, etc." He said, you know, correctly utilized, we can make a lot of money from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, was, it was, and it was just natural. I was listening to, um, I was, there's this great YouTube channel. Um, Keshava Bharati 
daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books. So what he's done is he's, he's read all of the Bhagavatam. So you have the verses and purpose. They don't have the Sanskrit. They don't have the Sanskrit the first. They have the translation. So they're not having the Sanskrit or the word for word transliteration. But I was listening to Ninth Canto today. Ninth Canto chapter 20. And um, it was interesting. He was talking, there's a place where Prabhupada talks about the different characters, different natures. And he talks about entrepreneurs, Vaishyas. Um, he said, because I was always trying to understand, how does it quite work? What's the link between agriculture and business? And Prabhupada, in one of the purports there, he says they have the ability to grow something. And I was just like, brilliant. Right? Just that word, that one word. They have the ability to grow something. And I thought, that explains it. That explains, I was always trying to, how do you link being in an agricultural field, you know, farming, and starting a business? And it's the growth. So Prabhupada just broke it down for brilliant. Right? So this understanding about being is very, very significant. Right? It's about really understanding and accepting who we are, where we are, whether it's in terms of age, whether it's in terms of nature, whether it's in terms of our situation, whatever it is. If we do that, and this is where also culture has a role to play, we have to do that for each other. We have to help people to actually be, be honest enough and comfortable enough to say, yeah, this is where I'm at. Because that doesn't mean we stay there, by the way. But it means that we start there. If we've got our feet on the ground, we can actually go in some particular direction. But in being in denial is actually a symptom of the mode of ignorance. You know? Being in denial is, is a symptom of the mode of ignorance. And it leads to other issues later on. So, one aspect is being. I'm just touching upon this because we want to get to something else which is more which is going to take up more of the of the focus of our session. We talked about Abhideya, so this idea of execution, drive, energy. Um, in terms of this, when we were explaining this to some business leaders, we just made the point that you need to make sure you take care of what you of your needs, not your wants. Because wants are unlimited. But certain key things, physical, mental, emotional, social, I think when you first heard this, um, when Sachin Anamaj gave a presentation in the mentorship years ago, Chitan Shikshamrita, Bhakti Notako, and it's interesting because Bhakti Notako, these things about natures and all this kind of stuff, the scriptures also qualify when it's important, when it's not important. So for example, these points, he says, unless one's a Paramahamsa, because there's also statements in scripture where it says these things are not important, where it says a devotee is callous to these areas, okay? But it may not be a devotee at our level. You understand the point, right? So this is how the scripture works. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You're meant to piece all the things together. So there's some statements in the scriptures which are meant for the Uttama Adhikari, which relate to that stage. There are some which relate to the Madhyam Adhikari, and there are some which relate to the Kanishta Adhikari. So it's not that every statement relates to every level of devotee. It's very, very important. And therefore, you'll see this in Prabhupada's books. He will talk about the Goswamis and the austerities that they did. And then he say, but we cannot, what's the word? Begins with I. But he said, but we cannot imitate. Everyone's read it. You've all heard this before. This is nothing new. So again, it's very, very important. When we talk about application, yes, read. But more than read, try to understand, how does this relate to me? How does it relate to me? What level does it relate to? And then what happens is, then the progress becomes very, very solid. Right? Because we're not, thinking some, we're not thinking that we're above a certain level. I can't remember who I was having a conversation with recently. And it was about marriage. And then the person was saying, um, oh, it was actually a discussion 
that some devotees were having, I think it's Gurukulis, the younger generation. And there was, I think it's that discussion that they were having. Anyway, I, was, I heard some of the discussion. And this idea, and this idea that actually we can do anything in any way because we're above everything. We're above nature, all that kind of stuff. And the point was that, yeah, but are you? It depends on where you are in that, in that journey. So pure devotees, absolutely. Right? But we have to see, what does this mean for me in particular? Right? And if I understand that, it doesn't mean what does it mean for other people, but when I'm applying it, how does it apply to my situation? And when we do that properly, generally we see that things become very, very healthy. And if we're not sure, we should do it with guidance. In fact, that's the whole point of having a culture. Culture is meant to be such that the difficulties that one group had, the next group should have it much easier. And if they don't, there's something wrong. Right? If the next generation don't get the benefit of the previous generation, there's something that's seriously wrong. Because those lessons should be passed on. Right? To make it much easier for people to progress. Anyway, so... We talk about the execution, and that also implies having the energy to execute. Right? That's why I also really appreciate the point about the elders, and about making sure that we have facility for that. I know that one of the things that Bhakti Tiyatamaraj wanted did was um, like a hospice, and also like a health fund. We were, we were having some conversation about that. Because he was saying that so one of the things we were working on was getting these books on Amazon. And I think there's something in the trust about a health fund, if I'm correct, yes, or something like that. And I was just thinking that because I know, at least from where I grew up, if the parents see that actually we don't look after their elders, one of the first ones would be like, what kind of, what kind of community is this? You know? So it, it really is a holistic thing. And the way that we're dealing with other people is ultimately the way that we're going to be dealt with in the long term ourselves. And then, of course, destination. So outcomes. Right? So when we're doing anything, is it hitting the target? Right? If, we're, if we're doing outreach, is it attracting young people? Not only is it, attract, is it, not only is the question, is it attracting the young people, are the, is it maintaining and nourishing them? So, one of the reasons why I have a job, actually, is because our company is scared of losing talented people. Because they know that young people, when they come out of the education system, they don't want to work for an investment bank anymore. Right? That's what they know. They're very clear on that. Like, if I ask you, where, if people coming out of the education system right now, what kind of organizations are they looking to work for? Startups, anything else? Tech firms, right? So Apple, Amazon. So it's, they're very aware that if we don't treat them nicely, they'll just go elsewhere. And not only will they go elsewhere, they'll absolutely rip us to shreds on social media as well. <laughs> right, so honest truth, when I joined the organization that I worked for, there was a video called Why I Left, the name of the organization had over 100,000 views. Yeah, so I used to tell the managers in the class, you know, there's this video, after a year of telling them, the video disappeared. Yeah, so they would have intercepted it, knowing that it's bad PR. And then the people are watching that, thinking, you know what, I don't think I want to work for these guys. I actually want to go elsewhere, because I've heard they're like this. So it's very, very important that we think in that particular way. So there's things that we're trying to achieve, both individually, and collectively. Okay. And one of the key objectives is that we want to really have an ability to focus and do quality spiritual practice. 
Right? So one of the ways, one of the markers that we can look at is, is this helping me to develop a taste in that particular way, or is it taking me further away from this? Okay, so there's something to bear in mind here. Uh, let's go on. So, we talked about this, this idea that there are different frameworks in the scripture. One of the best and most powerful is the three modes of material nature. What I wanted to do is just touch upon the qualities of these three modes, but I wanted to show you something that I also did with some of these business leaders. And um, I just came across it, but when I came across it, I was just like, again, proud thank you so much. Because it was a secular model that someone else had created, and when you look at the model, you can see that these people aren't devotees, but, but even just by their own secular research, they've come across basically these same three modes of material nature. And again, you'll see this again and again as a principle. If it works, and it's out there, somehow or other, it's a reflection of what we've already been given in our particular tradition. It's always the case. It's always the case. So, let's start here. So, Bhagavad Gita, chapter 14, text number 11. It's just a translation. The manifestation of the mode of goodness can be experienced when all the gates of the body are illuminated by knowledge. And this is an interesting statement. See, Prabhupada in the purple talks about the gates of the body. Right? So, the, the, excuse me, the, the ears, the nose, etc. So, for example, if someone hears in the mode of goodness, they hear things properly. So when you say something, I hear it properly as you said it. And then I can also repeat it accurately because I've understood what you said. Right? So this idea of the mode of goodness is that there's, there's accuracy in understanding. There's even accuracy in perception as well. And we know that ultimately, in the level of Shuddha with the purified senses, one is able to perceive the Lord. When the love, then the development or the vision of love has been developed, we're literally able to see the Supreme, right? which is on the Shuddha platform. So let me pause here. What are some of the other qualities or signs that we're dealing with the mode of goodness? Let's just kind of quickly draw upon this. Just hear from a few people. How, what are some of the symptoms of the mode of goodness? Anyone? Yes? Controlled behavior. Okay, what do you mean by controlled behavior? So, in a conversation, for example, being able to focus, um, like you said, be receptive to the person you're communicating with, um, and also be conscious of what they're saying and aware. Okay, definitely. So, conscious, receptive. Anyone else? Yes? Tell me more. Absolutely. So when there's a mode of goodness, there's a sense of equilibrium. There isn't this idea of greed, this idea I need more and more and more and more for myself. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. So it's difficult in the beginning. Definitely. But it leads to more long-lasting happiness. Now that's an interesting point. So thank you very much. Yes. So in the in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about it. It's poison in the beginning. <laughs> this is an interesting point. And that's why, again, if you look at it, taking the presentation that we saw earlier or anything, this idea of being ready to go through some difficulty to get to a better situation in the long term is a signature that crosses across all areas of life. So we want to encourage you in that, right? Don't, don't think that the easy option is actually the easy option. Okay? 
what usually happens is if you buy now, you will pay later. You understand the point? That's how the mode of passion works. But in the mode of goodness, yeah, it's a bit more work up front, but the, but the long-range effects are much more powerful. Now, we're not concerned about the mode of goodness for the sake of the mode of goodness, but we're concerned about the mode of goodness to the extent and in the way in which it supports us in moving forward towards transcendence. Okay, so there's a really important distinction. Yes? Thank you. I mean, that's a really great point. I remember, oftentimes, Bhaktivedanta Maharaj would often say that our movement is often putting out fires. We're constantly firefighting. It's not the case everywhere, but when we don't have that long-range view, then what happens is, it's just one emergency after another. And if you have a collective group of people who live that way, it's very difficult to really spread things in a deep way. And, and when I say deep, what I mean is, especially if intelligent people come and they see that everyone's firefighting, and then you're telling them this is a really blissful culture and we should all be Krishna conscious and you'll be happy, and they're thinking, really? Really? I, I can see everyone struggling, so, but, but not struggling in the mode of goodness way, struggling in a very different way. Yeah. One more, uh, take two more, then we'll go on. Yes? Um, it prepares you to act in the proper way. Tell me more about that. So um, a discussion we were having earlier um, was with regards to um, what Kitty Shakti was speaking about yesterday on social media. That, um, someone may use social media as a way to get validation. Yeah. Now, the per perceiver of that person could look and be like, I oh, look at that person seeking like uh, attention. Mm -hmm. But a more mode of goodness way of looking at it, it would be that um, the Sutra Prabhu makes this point that we have to hear the unheard or see the unseen. What is driving that behaviour? Yes. A more compassionate way of looking Absolutely. at it. And then we will act in a more compassionate way as opposed to mode of passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really important to have that. The way that we're dealing with other people is also ultimately having going to have an effect upon how we're going to be dealt with. I've seen in my own life that oftentimes, based upon my mentality, I draw certain lessons into my life. And if I change the mentality, I change the lessons that come. So in many cases, it really does begin here. Okay, so someone's having a challenge. Are you compassionate towards them? Or do you feel, you know what, I'm glad, I'm better than that person. I had a period where I would see people do something and I think, why did they do that? And then what Krishna would do, he'd arrange a situation where I behaved in exactly the same way. Honestly, and that happened many, many times. It was just like, you really think you're better than these people? Really? Right? It was very, very humbling. Yeah, absolutely. I saw Nanda Gopi the other hand. Yeah, I was going to say that the goodness leads to good decision making because of clarity of thought. Yeah, absolutely. So that lucidity, we can see things in their proper position. Good. One more, the Vinda Kumari. I just wanted to add that yeah. um, uh, in the mode of goodness, we can be grateful. We can see what is rather than what is not. Absolutely. I think that and that's a really important point. It's not what we have that's an issue. Uh, but this is important to discuss because otherwise, 
we hear it theoretically, but we don't know how to actually be comfortable with it, how to accept, okay, this is my quota, right? And that is that sense of gratitude. There has to be a sense of gratitude. But for gratitude, there has to be awareness. So we should sometimes reflect on everything that we've been given. The sacrifices have been made for us to receive this. The sacrifice, the, the causes mercy that we've even come to this teaching at all. And then with that awareness, we've got something which is incredibly high. And the teaching isn't even to go back to Vaikuntha. It's to go back to the most intimate place in the spiritual world. It's, it's an extremely rare opportunity, even within the understanding of Vedic religion or Vedic tradition itself. So it's a really strong gift. And the more that we reflect on how lucky we are, how much we've been given, then it becomes easier to be accepting and to give. Otherwise, the tendency in the material world, and let's be honest, unless you're careful about your social media, your TV, you're constantly being bombarded with this idea that actually you don't have enough. And actually, you know what? The fact is, if you just bought my product, you'd be happy. And that doesn't, that's not going to change. In fact, it's only going to get worse. Because now with AI, algorithms and so on, they can figure out so much more about each individual than the individual knows about themselves. So that's how, for example, Cambridge Analytica, there was this company, and what they did is they were using people's information from Facebook in order to push adverts to, to sway them in terms of their political voting. And what they actually did, they used a particular personality model. It's called the Big Five Personality Model. So just by what you did on, on social media, what you did on the internet, they could work out exactly what kind of person you are. And they'll understand things about your character that you don't even know about yourself. And then they could use that information to push you in a particular direction, to buy certain products, to buy certain services, and ultimately to vote in a particular way. Right. Anyway, let's move to the next one. So that's the mode of goodness. Going to the mode of passion. Our chief of the Bharatas, when there is an increase in the mode of passion, the symptoms of great attachment, fruitive activity, intense endeavor, and uncontrollable desire and hankering develop. Okay. So give me some more symptoms of the mode of passion. What, when we see an increase in that mode, or when we know that, that mode is present, what are some of the symptoms? Yes? Okay, it can be fast-paced. That may not be exclusively passion, but that can be there. What else? Um, yes, Vrindavan uh, Mahari. Because of that attachment, there's a lot of biases and uh, uh, prejudices or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We lose that sense of the unity. We only see the difference as well. Yeah, and it becomes also in-group, out-group. So I look after my group, and then they're not, they're not part of my group, so we don't care what happens to them. That's a really good point. And that's it's interesting. That's increasingly in the world, there's a lot of polarization in that sense, which is a, a lot of passion. Yes? They'll do anything to achieve the particular result that they're looking for, so even if it's by doing the wrong thing yes. or saying the wrong stuff. Yeah, that's a very interesting one. So it becomes so much about the end that we forget about any ethics in terms of the means. Yeah, so to be honest, you can get people who cut through. I want to achieve something. I don't care if I have to trample over you to get it. And that becomes very problematic. I saw a hand on here, yes? Um, they seek short-term pleasure. Okay, tell me more about that. What do you mean by short-term pleasure? Like, in a moment they might feel that 
they're looking for a certain result. Mm. And then as soon as they, they just think about getting it and not about the effects of it later on. Absolutely great point. And again, if we live that way, we make we set ourselves up for difficulty. Right? So again, in this idea, even with our sudden everything, we should try to think, how do I make sure that this progresses in a healthy way over the long term? It's easy to do anything which is a short term, but it's good to do things which will plant seeds for real, lasting, solid progress over time. Absolutely. Anything else about the... I'll go to Nitaikir and then I'll go to Prabhu. Yes. That's a really good point. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I was, um, <laughs> I was reflecting, there was a situation where um, there were some people, and, and they were of a certain age, and I was thinking, mm, this is, it's going to be difficult for this person to do well in the next stage of their life, right, which, which will entail getting married. And it was just by this one thing, that they're all about them. So it's like, okay, you want to have a, a good relationship, and you're selfish. How is that going to work? Yeah, because you're in the relationship, both people are going to think it's all about me, and then they're going to wonder why, it's, why they're having such a poor situation. It just doesn't work. So there has to be that ability to consider other people. Absolutely. Yes? Absolutely. Krishna does say that in the Bhagavad Gita. So there's short-termism. Short-term, you get something, but so much of a price is paid. Let's go to this next one. So, in the 413, when there is an increase in the mode of ignorance, so son of Kuru, darkness, inertia, madness, and illusion are manifested thoughts. How do we, how do we recognize the mode of ignorance? Yes. Inaction. Okay, definitely inaction. And actually, and not just inaction, unwarranted inaction. There's warranted inaction where, you know, you go to sleep at night, you have to recharge the body. But when it's just laziness, definitely it's mode of ignorance. Yes? Yes, when we're in the mode of ignorance, instead of us controlling it, it's controlling us. So when we, most of us use social media, eventually, I mean, initially we're going to start with a mode of goodness, mm -hmm. as we talked yesterday, because of the overdose, we get controlled by it and we completely lose track of it. Absolutely, absolutely. We can, we can get very, very covered. I was, um, there was some research we were doing for some presentation a while ago, that was actually last year, maybe or the year before, and they found that people who, who's, who sleep late and who wake up late, they're more prone to have certain kinds of difficulties with the mind, right? which is very, very interesting because it completely fits what the scripture says. Right? So when people sleep early and wake up early, it infuses the mind more with goodness, which is why it's also a favorable time for the spiritual practices. In fact, it's an easier practice if it's done in the morning when the modes are much more supportive than if the same activity is done later on. Absolutely. A anything else about the mode of ignorance? Yes. There's a lack of awareness. Yeah, tell me more about that. Um, so from my understanding, um, there's no consciousness in action and even more so there's no awareness in action. So it's just autonomous action uh, without realisation or any awareness of the, the after effects of the result of the action or even the action itself. Yeah. So when there's ignorance, we, we have no, no awareness of what we're doing, there's no context. It can also be things are done without any, without any knowledge, even though knowledge is available. Right? So we have a whole community, there's so many things that we need to do, 
And if there are people who are, or if there are resources where we can actually gain some insight, it's very, very healthy to do this. Not because the goal is to be materially well situated. Let's be very clear about that. But the, but the, the real point, the real point is you have six principles of surrender. The first two, number one, accept what's favorable. Number two, reject what's unfavorable. So everything is seen from that lens, right? So I'm meant to accept what's favorable, reject what's unfavorable, and on that basis, I'm living this way, I'm doing this, I'm trying to arrange my life in a particular direction. Yes, James? Absolutely. And that, that system, absolutely. So it can be sentimental rather than compassion. There's also, and we, we do see this sometimes, there's the term that they use now in the secular world is called spiritual bypass. Mm -hmm. who's, who's heard that term before? Okay, a few. What does that mean? Um, using spiritual activities, spiritual mindsets to not look at yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very, very easy to do. I'm so transcendental, yeah. you know, like that, you know, the house is falling apart, I, I can't keep a job. Uh, it's all right, I'm transcendental. It's okay, you know, I'm doing it because I, I've got love of God, you know, like that. That's why I don't pay the bills. It's this kind of mentality. Yes? I was just going to say, whereas um, there's a passion is about selfishness and so some short-term gain, mm -hmm. ignorance is about self-harm often. Absolutely. But we don't even realise it. Yeah. Neglectful, destructive, yes. I was going to say, the term ignorance is bliss fits with the motivation because if you don't know what to do and you don't know what not to do, there's no burn in your ego that you're doing anything yeah. wrong or right. Yeah. And if you can just bury your head in the sand, be able to brilliant. Absolutely. And that's the, and so again, these are things that we if we have the right culture, we can avoid so many of these things. If we have the right culture, it will really it can literally reinforce and empower us to make much faster advancement than if we had to do things by ourselves. But it's really about getting that right situation in. So I'll just show you this model. So I won't give you the title of this model because it's a little bit of a complex title, but the, the people who created this model, it's really about um, organizational culture. And I'll read out some things, so even if you can't see the, the small writing, it doesn't actually matter. In this model of organizational culture, as you can see, there, there are three different areas. So if you look at this first one, where the culture is about approval, everyone's about being conventional, dependent, avoidance. So you're acting, interacting with people in a self-protective way that will not threaten their own security. Okay. So just as a guess, where do you think? What kind of mode do you think this could relate to? Any any guesses? Yes, Sujiran. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not completely, but it's definitely leaning in that direction. I'm going to move to the next one. Have a look at this. So oppositional, power, competitive, perfectionistic. Approaching tasks in a forceful ways to protect their status and their security. What do you think? Passion, right? So two types of organizational culture. First different, then passion. Then you come to this one. Achievement, self-actualizing, humanistic, encouraging, affiliative. Where we interact with others and approaching tasks in ways that will help them to meet their higher order satisfaction needs. And, and just on that, it just means things like, you know, higher order needs, which means the deeper needs of the individual. So, if you had to do a comparative analysis, what are we talking about here? Goodness, obviously, right? 
Now what I want to do is, I'm going to ask you to do a little activity. Let's see how, we, see how we're doing for time. You can do this in pairs. Let's do this in pairs. So just someone next to you. What I would like you to discuss in your pairs is what are some of the what are some of the things that create this type of culture that you can see on the screen, right? So how do people need to deal with each other? How do, how do we need to um, relate together, act in relation to each other in order to create a culture which is more like this, which is more supportive of our goals, supportive of our sadhana, right? So we're gonna give you about, let's say six minutes so just get some, just share some brief ideas. What, and you can think about it as broadly as you want, right? Interactions between people, ways that we deal with each other, um, messages that we share with each other. You can also think about, you can also think about things not to do, okay? So you can think about the things which support this and the things that take away from this type of culture. We'll give you six minutes and we're going to hear from you after that. Over to you.
So what we think about at the time of death, which is directly related to how we live, that's going to determine where we go. Okay? So as we engage in Christian conscious activities and we discuss and we hear, if we reflect upon it, it doesn't remain a theory. To be honest, even using the word theory, it's the wrong word for our scriptures. None of, none of it's theoretical. It's actually an intimate description of reality. Now, we may not understand how it's a description of reality, but that doesn't mean it's something else. It's actually exactly how things work. 
I mean, literally to the point, you can predict how people are going to behave if you deeply understand what's given in the, in the Shastra in many, many different areas. And you can predict how an enterprise is going to go or how things are going to work. The other thing is also, as we start to discuss, this is important because what you've done in this discussion, you've taken something from, a, from the point of view of the Shastric point about the modes, and then you're talking about how it can be practically demonstrated in our interactions as a community. Okay, so again, what you're doing is you're taking something which is Shastric and you're translating it into how do I practically live this on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's very, very powerful. And if you keep doing this translation, you'll find that whenever you're in any situation, you can literally remember the teachings through something that's happening. Right? You see something and you think, oh, yeah, that's who said that. Yeah. Or, you know, he's at... I'll give you an example. I used to work in this company. It was terrible. It was a terrible company. <laughs> I'm never going there again. I can't lie. But, <laughs> but there was one guy there, and was, he, was, he wasn't a bad person, actually. But, you know, he told me, it was so interesting. I'd been re I was reading about the modes, and I, we were in the canteen, and he told me, he said, I love sleeping. He said, I just love sleeping. Man. And I thought, oh, that's the most amazing <laughs> imagine there's so many things even things that the, you, you see books on self-help and so a lot of it's rubbish actually but the stuff that's actually good the stuff that's actually good you can trace it back to these scriptures so Veda when it says it means knowledge it, this is not it's not some kind of poetic language it literally does mean knowledge right? when it says Veda means knowledge it does mean knowledge and that even this whole thing about pandemics according to this um, Ayurvedic literatures explain how pandemics happen that when leadership is corrupt, it actually ends up polluting the ether, and which, are, and which then allows viruses to spread. So it's so powerful because it gives you subtle causes. And this is stuff that you will not be able to pick up by empiricism. You will not be able to pick it up by empiricism. You have to get it from the person who created the world, who created the reality, i.e. Krishna. Anyway, so let's go through it. And I'd like to some real concrete things about how we can interact as a community because the idea is that we want to be able to focus on the chanting. Look, let's, be, let's not be idealistic. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to get along and there'll be no challenges. No, well, it does mean there'll be un, there won't be unnecessary challenges. So what happens is when you need to go through something, Krishna's going to make sure that you go through it. But you don't get additional difficulty just because we interact with each other in a stupid or unnecessary way. Does that make sense? And then we can put more energy into the direct, which is more powerful, by the way, than having to spend so much energy and time in the indirect because a lot of the indirect has not been sorted out properly. Does that make some sense? Which we do see in many of our communities, by the way. There are some communities where if you want to do a project, they're just thinking about who's going to get the money from the project, right? Because, every, because if everyone's kind of really struggling financially, and then you say, well, but they shouldn't be fruitive. Yeah, but they're human. Right? You're not dealing with Paramahamsas. So again, you have to really, the expectations have to be according to what Krishna says, not just what I think or what I feel sentimentally. Does that make some sense? And if you calibrate your expectations according to scripture, you'll see everything you see. You, yep, that's exactly what scripture said. It works all the time. Otherwise, we get burned because we're expecting something on one level when actually the Shastra says, no, it's actually somewhere else. So you have to deal with them as they actually are. And I, and I made this mistake many times before. We were working on one project, we were going to Mayapur, 
were taking people to my point. There was one person on the team, they were so political. Right? So we went to Punka Junkery and asked for advice. And I said to him, what is the lesson that Krishna is trying to teach me? Without blinking an eye, he said to me, what Krishna wants you to learn is to accept people as they actually are. That was the first thing he told me. Straight away, there was actually a group of us who went for that meeting. He told me that immediately. He said, Krishna wants you to understand, to learn to accept people as they actually are. Anyway, don't want to get into a, into a side detail. So, how is, give me some practical things. Yes? Uh, so, we've got good, honest communication. So okay, but what does that mean? Good, honest communication. Like not being judgmental, um, you know, building a relationship with, like, Deva uh, Goswami says, attentive jasa, attentive relationships. So, yeah. building that relationship with someone so they can be honest with them, you know, pour your heart out, six love exchange with yeah. the Goswami, so then they can give you the advice uh, that not you want to hear, that you need to hear to build on your whether it's that when we talk about for lunch financial stability what you need what is your nature and things like that um, so that that uh, that breeds um, genuine trust as well um, and emotional intelligence that kind of links into that as well you know getting to know someone it's not just it's not just about it's not just about the money you know it's not just about your sadhana because obviously there's a whole array of things that we need to think about and when you have a good deep relationship and that doesn't mean there's 20 people, you're not going to have those with 20 people, it might be two or three people that you can confide in, that can help you through your, through your journey. Yeah, so absolutely. that's genuine love and care. Absolutely, and, and I really want to echo that point. So it's, it's about getting to know people. Somehow or other, we have, a, we, have a, 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 we have often a community where people, I don't think that seasoned people like this, but maybe if we're less experienced, we'll think that everyone's a pure devotee. And then you'll be seriously disappointed later <laughs> 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 on, right? You understand what I'm trying to say? So you have to be realistic. We're on the journey. And the reason why we shouldn't expect everyone else to be perfect is because we're not perfect. Isn't it? Right? So if you, if you look in the mirror and say, you know what, I make mistakes sometimes, then I have to give people the benefit of the doubt when they make mistakes. Right? And it doesn't mean that we don't address it. It doesn't mean we don't bring it up. I didn't, I, I didn't reply to Brindal um, Bihari's what's, um, WhatsApp message. And he, he just mentioned it yesterday. He's like, you didn't reply to my message. And I was thinking, yeah, actually, I didn't reply to his message. But I did hear it. You know what that. But, you know what? But I was glad. So. <laughs> I mean, it works. That is a good message. But, but I was glad because I thought, yeah, he's, cause, cause he's the kind of person who just be like, you know what? You didn't get back to me. I was like, okay, fair, fair enough. You know? It won't linger. It'll be like, let's just say, is there something up? Yeah? So, on this communication, I want to hear from other people, though. I want to hear from other people. What? But no, seriously, to, st to stay on this thread. Because you'll be surprised how much time is wasted. And how much time is wasted even when we're doing sadhana, when the mind's disturbed. Because this person said this, this person did that, this person looked at me this particular way. So we want to try to, we want to, try to lessen that. We won't be able to get rid of it completely. The world's not perfect, but we see what we can do. Yes. So Rishi Prabhu and I were talking about appreciation and criticism but trying to do it in the mode of goodness. So instead of doing it out of envy. Mm -hmm. So for example, someone would say, oh Prabhu, you're on your phone while chanting. What's going on? Um, they could say that either because they think they're never on the phone while chanting, so they could address that because they want to make themselves feel better. Mm -hmm. You could do it in the mode of passion where you're addressing it, but again, it's the want versus need. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Prabhu just, or Mataji just needs to hear that it's a reminder to be attentive while chanting. Yeah. So saying it like, Spending some time with yourself to understand how do I even phrase these form of words to communicate this in, an, in a compassionate way so that the point is gone across without <coughs> hitting the ego. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So yeah, we want to we tell the truth. Bhagavad Gita talks about this, austerities of speech. 
consists of speaking words which are truthful, pleasing, beneficial, and not unnecessarily disturbing to the mind. Right? So definitely important to just keep that in mind as we communicate. Yes? And what, on the topic of uh, wasted time, so how we deal with our mistakes. So, um, for example, um, you know, in the mode of passion, if we've made mistakes, when we're guiding like those that are younger, we may um, conceal those mistakes that we've made to retain and consolidate our power and status. Mm. But in the mode of goodness, we're open and honest because we want to save them time. Absolutely. And to be honest, people, if, if, people are, if we're able to be open and honest, it actually makes for a deeper relationship. You're happier, the other people are happier, then you actually build trust. Yeah, so to be honest, the, the inability to say we make mistakes, is, 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 it means we're insecure. I mean, who, who, who here can put their hand up and say, I never get anything wrong? Like, really? I mean, and if anyone told you that they didn't get anything wrong, would you really believe them? Would you think you're a liar? Because <laughs> I, I would think that they're lying. I'll be honest. Right? Especially you guys. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. So the point is that, yes, yeah, so we should be very comfortable. And it's a good sign. It's a good sign that we can actually say, yeah, I got this wrong. It was difficult. I learned, I learned this lesson from it. Absolutely. Who else? Um, I'll go to, I'm going to go to the lady's side. But I'm not unconscious. So one of the words on the screen is encouraging. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we had a program with Vesha Shikapu, which is my principles of community building. Just wondering, for those that were here, I can't remember the exact term he used. It's something like relentless... Encouragement. Does anyone know? So he said, encourage the encourage the heck out of people. Encourage the heck, heck, heck out of people. Yeah. And and that was, it was such a powerful phrase. It was yeah. The idea is just wouldn't you love to be in a community where constantly we are encouraging? Uh, and yeah, it'd be amazing if we could do that. No, I think that's incredible. Again, just really making the connection. What do you think happens to the productivity, to the preaching in a community where people actually? Not even as a technique, but from the heart, as you're, which I know is what you're, where you're coming from, that they genuinely want, they actually like encouraging each other. Do you think it would actually make a difference? Yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah. it makes a huge difference. Devotees often have so many different struggles, sometimes struggles that you don't even know about. You see the person, you think they're okay, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Right? And so if they feel encouraged, this word encouragement is literally to give courage. That's what it actually means. And if we're able to do that for each other, you'll see the preaching will go, will be explosive. It will be very, very, very strong. So I, I really appreciate that point. I saw, I'll start with Abhijit and I'll go to Brinda Kishore and I'll go to um, Abhijit. Um, so, um, Justin, so, yes. And then you ultimately get to the stage of admiration for them and ultimately affection for them. And it was such a nice stepwise progression because we, we all talk about like no envy, no envy, but it's easier said than done. But when you do it in this way, it's so much easier to apply. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, envy is a, it's a huge topic. You know, it's something that we all have to work on and it's not easy. Right? I, I know for myself, when I feel envy, I feel, oh, I'm justified. You know, they've done this, I've got a list. You know, you yeah. did that, they did that, so I, I have every right to be it. But it's like, no, no, it's, it's not actually how it works. If anything, we should feel compassion. 
So yeah, it's definitely, and it's, it's um, it, it can be hard work, you know, it's really hard work. But thank you for sharing that. I'm going to go to Linda Kamari. Um, I don't know whether, my point was a sort of a blend of the encouragement and envy, that as a community, maybe this, I hope this will make sense, but if we're able to articulate our shared and then the individual kind of goals and purposes together and see that we're working as a team, then that will help alleviate that envy because then if somebody does make success, we see that as our own success mm. and, and then sort of we can celebrate, like genuinely celebrate, yeah. which then makes it much easier to encourage the heck out of each other because then we know that we're all moving together and we're yeah. not on this race now i feel very strongly about that statement because i have seen that sometimes before where it's like it seems like it's it's okay great and then there's everyone else but actually we should be in that mood that it's a collective celebration so that's so my question to you then is how do we do that how do we how do we make it so it so the success is, is about us um, more as a collective any any guesses or thoughts yes is um i I, I guess we, we find a way to see that the other person's success is very much in, uh, intertwined with my own success and vice versa, and also that we're seeking the same goal, and also that without each other we can't actually move forward anyway. So maybe it's a starting point. Yeah. Um, and I guess also we know that um, if our goal, I, I guess also it's a case of if you are on a race, where are you racing to? and to actually really think that through. And maybe sometimes that envy is based on a feeling of lack on the inside, and to know that that lack is the material, the false self feeling uh, withdrawn or contracted and empty. And then, I know this is, I know we're reaching into bigger topics, but I mean that sort of work on that and see that, you know, it's misguided. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so reflecting back, so sometimes if we see that, if we feel that envy, we should remember that we're collectively successful, yeah. like that. It's a group effort because everyone's inputting directly or indirectly into yeah. something. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, and right. maybe also that we all, each of us, we can know that Krishna has endow endowed us with gifts. Mm -hmm. Everybody has gifts. So part of our job is to help each other recognize our own gifts so that then there's less room to feel envious of anybody else, knowing that I have my part to play. Yeah. And, um, and if I just choose to, if I choose to play it, then it, it, it will please Krishna as much as the other person. Absolutely, and I just want to echo that. So that the, so the more, because sometimes we feel envious because we're not doing the best that we can. Yeah, we feel empty. Yeah, we feel empty, yeah. So it's also about making sure that I make as much contribution as I can, and I do it in a way that really helps me to become stronger in Krishna consciousness. And then, it's, and then if, I'm, if I'm in a good space, it's easier to appreciate other people as well. Thank you. Um, yes. I was, I was in communication with one devotee in America and I was just telling them some ideas that they could actually use to, to really invigorate the preaching. And he wrote back to me, he said, um, he said, yeah, if only our leaders think this way, would think this way. And I wrote back to him, I said, no, we're the leaders. That's the whole point. It's not someone else's job. It's like, otherwise you'd just be like, oh, the leadership, they don't do this. Well, no, actually, what is that Krishna and Prabhupada, they'll be expecting us to contribute in whichever way we can. Some people contribute through execution, some by preaching, whatever it is. But if it's actually meant to be done, and we're in a position to do it, then it's like, okay, what can I contribute to it? 
Because otherwise we get into this victim mentality where if someone else has to save us, and we have to, we have to do our part. Yeah, absolutely. Was there someone else who put their hands up on this side? Or okay, then I'll go to President. Um, well, one point I didn't quite understand was self-actualizing, because I thought maybe duty or obligation kind of narratives are maybe more powerful than just coming into straight goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, too many organizations, they, if they're built on that family duty-bound organization or yeah. structure, rather than individuals wanting to maximize their own like profit from it, yes. it creates a, like a better kind of understanding, for example, So self, I didn't take self-actualization to mean that. I, I took it to more, more mean self-realization, which is inherently coming from the service that we're doing as long as, as long along with our spiritual practices. Yeah, but I take your point. That's definitely, it's, it's, um, what, what's meant to happen in a healthy culture is that we appreciate everyone's service. I really want to emphasize that. It's not that one person's service, because they're in front of an audience, is, is, is important. And then the people who are cooking in the kitchen, their service is not important. The people who are sweeping, their service is as important as everyone else's service. I really want to emphasize that. There should never be a time where anyone's service is looked down on or seen to be inferior. Right? The point that actually, what makes something better or worse is the degree to which the individual is doing the very best that they can in, that, in order to make an offering to Guru and Krishna. And if, I, I remember there was um, one devotee, Ganesham, from India, and he was told off by his, it's not Ganesham Puri, don't worry. Uh, he, was, uh, he was told off by his guru, I'm going to stop in the moment because I'm also conscious of time. And that, uh, what happened was they did, they, they'd done some book distribution. He had done more books than everyone else. So the, so the next morning, everyone was being glorified. They didn't even mention his name. <laughs> he was really upset. He told me this in my school. And then he told me what happened. So his guru, later on that evening, said to me, I know you're upset that I didn't mention you. And he said, but what you have to understand is these other people who distributed books, they did less than you, but they were doing the best they can. He said, I know you could do a lot more. So that's why I glorified everyone else, but I didn't say anything about you. That's what he actually told him. Right? So it's that idea. Everyone's doing that. We should all do the best that we can. We should all try to encourage each other to do the best that we can. There should be an idea that I'm superior because I'm doing this service, I'm superior. No, it's not like that at all. Actually, everyone should be encouraged to do the best that they can. And that's the only way it's going to work in a voluntary organization, by the way. Right? No one's being paid here. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I've heard stories, right? We were, we were, we were talking about that offline. But start, officially, officially no one's being paid. <laughs> so the point is that since officially no one's being paid, we should make sure that we encourage each other and make sure that the, that the culture is right so that everyone's able to do their, their best work. Okay, I'm going to stop here. I, I know we haven't had time for questions, but I'm also conscious of the, of the, of the next part of the programs. So I don't want to go over. If anyone wants to make any comments or questions, feel free to just grab me at any point. But thank you very much for listening. But please, please take this seriously. Please try to make sure that we play our role in developing the right culture that actually uplifts people and understand that it may not be that you do the service, but if you do your service and you encourage other people, you also get the benefit of that collective uplift. Do you understand the point? It's not, you're, you're not just marked on your own output. 
You're marked on how it actually helps everyone else to come up. Lord Chaitanya's mission means it's not how I'm going back to God, it's how we're going back to God too. You get the point? Okay, thank you very much. Sorry. Yeah.